Hello, my name is Jody Limont, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts, such as writers, teachers, and librarians, about their own favorite children's books. Uh, today's poem is called Barrio School. It was written by Julia Flores Morales, and I found it in the poetry collection titled, I Thought I'd Take My Rat to School, Poems from September to June. Uh, these were selected by Dorothy M. Kennedy and illustrated by Abby Carter. Now, at this point, I usually give a little biographical information about the poet whose poem I present, uh, but in this case, I just wasn't able to locate any information about Julia Flores Morales, which I think is more indicative of my own lack of skills as a researcher than anything else. So if anyone listening can point me to some relevant information about the poet in question, I will make a point of including that in some future podcasts. With my apologies to Ms. Flores Morales. Barrio School by Julia Flores Morales We start school late this year because the bean crop was late. So we are late to go to the brick school to pick up the numbers off the vines carefully so the fractions won't snap. We study wars I didn't know about in bearded Abe, who didn't free anybody I know. I like the gym with floor wax you can skate on. I like lunch, tortillas from home, red grapes and chocolate milk like sweet brown mud. I like the globe that spins on poles and poetry and the parakeet in its cage and half-past two that frees Susanna, my best friend, and me. We link arms, skip down street, happy as two fleas, jumping old flat-out dogs and napping fire hydrants. My guest today is Artie Knapp, author of many stories and poems for children, as well as the books View from the Zoo, Living Green, A Turtle's Quest for a Cleaner Planet, and his latest book, Little Otter Learns to Swim. You can find Artie's website at www.artienapp.com. Thank you for joining me today, Artie. Hey, thanks for having me, Jody. I want to start actually with your latest book, the book you've, uh, you've got coming out, Little Otter Learns to Swim. Can you talk a little bit about what it's about and how you were inspired to write it? Yeah, you bet. Uh, it's uh, it's actually the first fictional children's book from Ohio University Press, which I'm pretty excited about. It's a it's a story for pre-K through third grade, I guess you could say, is the, the main target audience. It's about a little otter who's uh, introduced to the water for the first time after leaving her den. And, you know, this story came to me actually as I was watching my daughter, Alana, learn to swim. Uh, she's nine years old now, and this I wrote the story about a year and a half, two years ago. And so when I was writing it, it kind of uh, struck me that it's pretty interesting that some animals know how to, you know, how to swim the second they're born. And so it kind of got me wondering, you know, which animals have to be taught. And uh, I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> I started wondering about it. And then so I went home, did some research. And sure enough, river otters, they, uh, you know, I kind of assumed – well, I was actually kind of surprised when I saw them on a list of animals that have to be taught because they're so graceful in water. I think I probably just assumed that they know how to swim the very moment they're born, but they have to be taught anywhere from one to three months old by their mothers. And so I thought that was pretty interesting, and that kind of really sparked the idea to, to start writing the story. Now, you've written, along with uh, this, that you've written the text for picture books and other picture books as well. And uh, like I mentioned before, you've actually written a number of short stories for children that have been published in magazines. 
And those are very different kinds of writing. And I'm just wondering, what are the sort of different techniques you go about when you're writing a story as opposed to text for a picture book? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, picture books are actually, I find, they're a lot harder to write. And the main reason why is because each page turn has to matter. I mean, that syncopation of the page turn you know, if I'm writing a story that's in a magazine or a newspaper, that consideration of the page turn's not there. And so those 32 pages, which is, you know, the standard page count for a picture book, you know, every every syllable, every word matters, every word counts. And it's uh, it's all about that syncopation of the page turn. And I find it to be challenging but really rewarding. I, it's actually a lot of fun to write picture books. And I think a lot of people probably – if you've never written one, would probably think that it's easy to write one because a good picture book, more often than not, should look very easy. That it should be, that when someone looks at it, they should say, "Hey, that's easy to do. I could have uh, I could have wrote that." And, uh, and ironically, I think if that's the case, then the writer did their job. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've I've tried to write the text for a picture book many times, and I've never succeeded. I can I can never get to very far without being completely frustrated. So, uh, yeah, it is a it is a lot harder than people realize. Um, now, along with writing, you do a number of uh, school visits, and can you talk a little bit about what a typical school visit would be like when you're there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do visit a lot of schools, which is is actually one of the best parts of what I do. I really love it. It's um, you know, to get out there and really engage with the kids and, and to get that feedback on the stories is wonderful. And what I typically do is um, when I visit with the kids, I'll go in and uh, there'll either be a video presentation. It depends on how big of a group I'm speaking with. Uh, sometimes it's a full gymnasium, 700 people at once. And having a video version of my book shown is great. You know, it's something as simple as a YouTube video because it's kind of hard to talk in the microphone, hold up the, you know, the picture book and for everybody to see it. And sometimes they'll come into the library where I talk to 30 kids at a time. And that's a lot easier to hold a picture book and talk with them about it. Um, but I discussed the, uh, there's different age groups that I talk with, especially, um, the younger kids, kindergarten, first, second grade. They have a lot of questions about the characters, how I came up with the ideas of my stories and, not that the other, not that the older kids don't, but they seem to like the fourth and fifth graders sometimes will have questions about the writing process more specifically. You know, I mean, as far as how you get published, and you know, there's actually a lot of opportunities for young young people to get published. You know, even Highlights Magazine. I think you have to be 16 or older to get paid by Highlights, but you can be 11 years old, nine years old, and submit poems to Highlights and. And there's a lot of opportunities out there for kids to start writing. And so you can never start too early. It's a great way to um, to practice. And, you know, when I talk to kids, that's the one thing I tell them all the time. You know, if you're going to get better at writing, you've got to first and foremost read a lot. Read, a, read the kind of books that interest you and just start practicing. You know, keep you know, write your own stories and just keep at it. Now the book you picked is one of your favorite uh, children's book is a, is an is a picture book it's called Ida Always uh written by Karen Lewis and illustrated by Charles uh, Santoso and was published in 2016 by Anthonium Books for young readers uh for readers who might be unfamiliar with this particular book can you uh with Ida Always can you talk a little bit what it's about Yeah absolutely uh, Jody it was uh, it's called um, Ida Always it's a book that 
I used to live, I live in Ohio now. I live in Cincinnati, but I used to live in New York uh, City. And I think one of the attractions when I, when I first saw this book was the fact that I used to live in New York and this book takes place there. Uh, it's about two polar bears that used to live at the zoo there in, in New York City. And Karen Levis, it's, uh, she's the author of this book. And I got to tell you, it just really, I was really moved by it because the way that it goes, I've seen other books that, that are written for children that try to talk about death and, you know, which is a, a touchy subject for, for young folks. And, but she did it in a way that kind of softens, I think, the blow of it, but also enables uh, the reader to kind of come to terms with what happens. Um, Gus is the, there's two main characters, Gus and then Ida. And Ida becomes ill. And um, it's based on a true story, too, uh, amazingly enough. So uh, she passes away. And the story really goes into how he deals with that you know, with her, their strong bond and friendship at first, and then how he deals with her becoming sick, then eventually passing away. And I just think Karen Levis did a great job of you know, tackling the subject. And, and I think also it, it, you know, it really moved me because I had a personal loss in my life. Um, and it was one that, you know, the individual that I lost who was close to me, they, you know, they were always right around where I lived and there was always memories after their, after they passed. And, and the book kind of really <laughs> kind of resonated, even though it's a picture book. Um, it kind of struck a chord with me, I think, on a personal note, too. So, But it's beautifully illustrated by Charles Santoso. And Karen Levis, who's the author of the book, it's uh, her website's www.caronlevis.com. And she's a talented author, and I definitely uh, recommend checking out her website and her, and her great work. Now, as you mentioned, uh, the the topic of loss and grief is a is a is kind of a difficult subject, specifically when you're making books for young children because they process things so much differently than we do as adults. And you touched on this a little bit, but uh, if you want to expand a little bit uh, more on uh, how does this book handle it, that makes it um, a subject that works for kids in particular. Yeah, well, it talks. I mean, it, it in the book. There's a passage I'll read to you, Jody, that I thought was really. Um, really touching and the whole book is i mean the new york times i think says it best about this book on the back cover it says um you know example of children's books at their best and it's I mean, this is one actually become one of my favorite uh, picture books of all time not just on uh, dealing with death for kids but when when ida got really sick it says then one sunny day while gus smothered her fur ida curled into quiet her eyes fluttered shut and they didn't open anymore Gus pressed one last pat into Ida's paw. Karen, uh, when she wrote that, she did it in a way that's, um, you know, kind of gentle. And how Gus deals with her death afterwards is that the the reminders that she's always with him still. There's always reminders from the sounds of the city. And I think what's so beautiful about the book and and with the illustrations is the little touches of even the the clouds of the sky (laughs) which kind of, of course, you know, that white puffiness kind of can favor uh, polar bears and, and how the uh, illustrator did that uh, was very touching. And it's just a it's just a really beautiful book. I, um, it actually won the Christopher Medal, too, uh, which I think uh, says a lot about, the kind, you know, that's an enormous accomplishment for it. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, I've seen other books and it's not always so easy to talk about death for kids. And, you know, my nine-year-old, she's already – 
she she asked me some pretty deep questions, you know, um, who am I, why am I here type stuff. I mean, she's a deep thinker for her age, and I think this book kind of resonated with her too as far as, because, you know, even at a young age, she's uh, had to deal with the uh, loss of a pet and uh, relatives, so it's a good introduction to help kids deal with loss for sure. Now, as well as uh, dealing with the topic of, of, of loss and grief, it's also a story about friendship, what friends do for each other when times get tough. And what do you think this book might tell kids about the value of their own friendships, even if they haven't had an experience as devastating as the one that happens in this book? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just reminders that, you know, take every don't take anything for granted. I mean, and I think even young people can appreciate um the fact that there's little things that we come to, I mean, like when my daughter is on Christmas break, you know, for example, or um, spring break, she misses her friends you know, very much, even though it's like a week or two weeks away to the point where she can even, you know, after a few days, she starts getting upset because she misses them. <laughs> so it's just taking in those little moments and, um, you know, cherishing them and then remembering that, you know, it's something to look forward to as you get back. I think when you're talking about forever, you know, as far as here on earth, when you're, when you lose something or somebody, it's, uh, you just have to, um, I don't know. I mean, you just cling to those memories and the things that make you smile. And, you know, that's what I, I, mean, I can only speak for myself. I've, I've had to do that personally with some loss and, and, um, it helps, you know, like remember the good times and laugh and smile and it kind of, um, helps you get through. Now, uh, another thing I thought about that was interesting about the book is the way it dealt with Ida's illness. It never really says what happens to her, but it does go into some, not really specific, but some detail about her day-to-day. You know, there are good days and there are bad days for her. So it doesn't just, you know, that she just gets sick and everything's fine. But she has good days and she has not-so-good days. So it does touch on that that a little bit. And why do you think that's an important way to deal with the subject matter? Not just to say she was got sicker and sicker, but actually to talk about, you know, there, you know, sometimes it's, it can be a difficult thing to deal with. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, I guess it is based on a true story. And the way that Karen Levis wrote this is I think it's brilliant is that it's, she does it in a way where it wasn't just this huge abrupt, you know, loss. It's almost, as if Gus had had time to kind of understand that she wasn't feeling well, wasn't herself. And it kind of cushions the blow and not necessarily setting uh, it up for when she passes. But there's days, for example, where she's not eating uh, like she normally would or doesn't want to play with the big ball with him like she normally would. And, you know, it lets, you know, and I think, you know, that's something I think sets it up really well because kids, you know, and again, I'm just basing this off of my own daughter and seeing her. I mean, like, you know, she really misses a friend when they're out sick for a couple of days at school, you know. And I think it, the way that it goes about it and, and kind of getting the child to um, see that, you know, there's ups and downs, there's ups and downs. It wasn't just, like I said, such an abrupt boom, you know, like here's uh, a death situation. It kind of softened the blow a bit and that it kind of got them prepared for the fact that, hey, she wasn't feeling well. And then. It kind of led to that. But I thought she did it in a, in a way that was really, really touching. Now, along with uh, Gus and Ida, there's almost a third character in this book. Um, you talked about this a little bit, and that's the city, New York City, in which the zoo is placed. And even though we only like see the city at a distance or sort of them within the city, 
How does that figure into the story, or why is it, you know it's it's an important part of the story? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's um, well, you know, it's such a part. I, I probably should have clarified something earlier in our interview here. Is I mentioned the zoo. Well, it's it's actually specifically Central Park Zoo, and that's such a uh, a wonderful part of Manhattan. I mean, I think the sounds of the city that it talks about, the people that come and go. I mean, New York, as they say, never sleeps, <laughs> and so. It's a, it's a, uh, it is a third character in the book. I don't know. And I think it, 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 for me, it also, that's why I love this book so much too. Another reason is because it really resonates with me. I used to, uh, kind of, you know, I love New York and, and it's wonderful, but there's times where you just get kind of tired of the, the, the sidewalks and the big buildings. You just want to have a little bit of greenery and, um, Central Park was a great place for that, you know? And there's just so many good memories of going there in afternoons and just walking around and, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, the 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 people the people that actually work there as well with the zoo with the animals are part of the story. Not so not a huge integral part of it, but they they're there and they're feeding them. And and um, especially after Gus um, is kind of down uh, when when Ida passes, he kind of um, you know he's got the zookeeper there and all those surroundings. You know, like I said, the sounds of the city, the buildings, and everything. It's just part of the part of the story it makes it all really kind of blend in as like you said a character and it's it, it works great you talked a little bit about this earlier but uh, and it's always a challenge to talk about uh, a picture book because illustrations are such a big uh, part of it but of course hopefully people hearing this will be encouraged to go out and you know uh, look up the book and and check it out and actually read it so they can actually see the illustrations and i wonder if you would just talk about you know these are these are these very big and beautiful illustrations and if you could just talk a little bit about what do they bring uh to the story just just the pictures themselves yeah absolutely well there's there's such a uh, charles santosa who's the, the illustrator he does a magnificent job of there's a warmth to them. I mean, they're, you know, the, the, the artwork is, uh, there's a softness to them. Like they're, I mean, yes, the, the polar bears look like real polar bears and stuff, but they're, they're, there's kind of, there's a whimsical look to them. And as, as I kind of touched on earlier, the sky too, especially in the latter part of the book kind of, um, does a wonderful job of, well, I don't want to give too much away to, for the, for the readers, but it does a great job of kind of putting, um, the, the emotions that you're experiencing while reading the book, I think the illustrator did a magnificent job of showing the illustrations to that effect, you know, with the, with how, where you're at in the story and how you're feeling. Um, as we talked about earlier, New York's a big part of it. So all the landscapes that you see in the city and the bustling city and the big bird's eye view of uh, Central Park was, was, was a great personal uh favorite of mine earlier in the book. I thought that was great because it takes me back to those days I was there. I mean, and I think having used to live there and like I said, visited it frequently, I really, when I was reading the book, it kind of really took me back uh, as if I was there on a sunny day. It was, it was really wonderful. Now, since you're someone who also writes text specifically for picture books, uh, what do you, what is it that, uh, uh, that, uh, Karen Levis does in writing her text that really stands out for you as as um, something special. Uh, just sort of thinking about your own craft as uh, somebody writes text for picture books. Yeah, that's a great question, Jody. I, one thing she does so well here. I mean, well, let me say this. I, as I think, as an industry right now, one of the things I've been kind of you know, if I'm being honest, disappointed in is so many picture books now. 
the, the average picture book count has drastically been dropped over the last 10, 15 years. And they say, you know, industry wide, I think they say that's because, you know, it takes, you know, two incomes, two, you know, mom and dad are both working these days and there's less time in the evening. So a thousand to 1500 word picture books are fewer and far between. And so picture books these days are three to 500 words. And that's okay. I mean, it's, um, in general, but, you know, if you, if you look back, if you go back to like the 1970s and look at like picture books from that era, they were so much longer. And I think what I'm kind of, what I would personally like to see more of right now in our industry is more picture books with a little bit more text. I mean, so much today is just inferred versus shown. And so like Karen does an excellent job in this book of, you know, using words, you know, maybe it's because I'm a writer and I love that part of it because I'm the biggest fan of the world of illustrations too. But um, there's so many, a lot of picture books today are being, they say they're for kids, but to me, it seems like they're more for adults. And, you know, and I, and, you know, I think a, a good picture book should really resonate with parents and kids um, because the parents are the ones that ultimately, depending on the age of the child, that will be reading the book to them. But I don't know. It seems like we're, we're getting away from that more and more. Um, and so when you can, and, and, you know, it's a, it's an accomplishment to be able to write, you know, the thing about these 32 page picture books, what makes them so challenging is, you know, a lot of writers, they get into it, they have a good idea, but, you know, stuff has to happen in that story. You know, I mean, um, those 32 pages and that, those page turns and everything to keep it interesting. And so that's the challenge with it. And I don't know. I think when you write it, I mean, I've had a couple movies produced that I wrote and I have to say <laughs> that I think having a picture book come to fruition with the, you know, getting it published, getting the illustrations, everything to mesh is probably, for me personally, it's probably more, I find it more rewarding than having produced a feature film even. I'm not kidding. I wasn't aware of that about picture books, and it, it sort of goes into my next question. When, when I was a teacher years ago, I used often used picture books with older kids, uh, like middle school, uh, things to talk about writing and story structure. And I probably was thinking of picture books like you're talking about with a, a bit more text in them. Uh, so do you think a book like uh, this, I'd always might have a value uh, for older kids, uh, both as a story in itself, but also as a a way of uh, talking about story and plot and structure. Yeah, absolutely, I do. I mean, I'm 45 now, and so I read this book. I think I guess I was 43 at the time, and look, you know, look what it, look how it moved me. You know, I bought it. You know, usually because, like I said, my daughter's nine now, so when she was seven, I was still buying her picture books and a lot of different kinds of books. But this book moved me, and I think a good picture book. You know, one thing I think would be great to see more of is if when, when a child gets out of picture books in the sense that they're now reading early chapter books, novelas, and even going on to novels, I think they're missing out if they don't still look at picture books. It's not a matter. I think a lot of parents, they look at them like, okay, hey, my child's progressed. They don't need to read those anymore. Um, it's not about that. Th these are just, you know, it's even though I'd like to see more text industry-wide <laughs> sometimes, versus a lot of the books that are produced today, I am really amazed at what's being done with picture books today, you know, as far as um, the book design, the layout, uh, you know, some really amazing picture books are getting created today. And if parents just 
say, you know, hey, you don't have to read, you shouldn't read those anymore because you're, you know, I think they're missing out. I think picture books are for all ages, you know. You know, if I'm blessed with a long life and I'm 75 years old someday, I will be reading picture books. <laughs> I just love them. I think they're, um, I look at them, Jody, as almost like, um, this is the storyteller in me, I look at them as almost like little mini movies. You know, and I think that's what, you know, filmmaking, you know, it's kind of like, I think that's the syncopation, the page turn piece of it. It's kind of like editing in a movie to me. It's, you know, the next step, the next frame, the next picture. And yeah, I think this is a story, you know, I, I, I don't know the word count on here, but if I had to guess, it may be 1200 words roughly. That's a guess. I mean, you know, but I mean, they're still out there, but like I said, it's, it's kind of rare. It's rare and rare now to see picture books in that length, as I said, you know. I mean, like David Wiesner, I'm a huge fan of his. He's won three Caldecott medals for Tuesday, the three, little, the three Little Pigs, and Flotsam. Most of his works are wordless. I mean, that guy's a genius. I'm a big fan. And there's a great, you know, there's a market for those, and, and those are great, too. And some very simple uh, picture books are great, too. Um, like I said, I think it's more, when I mean, you're getting into the, the, the picture books, it's, it's a pretty fine line when you get into uh, the age range there because at a certain age, you know, you got to balance that between it not being too babyish for like the, you know, third grade, fourth grade level. And then it can't be too sophisticated, you know, for the pre-K kindergarten. So that's another big challenge with getting published too, you know. And, and, I'll, and another thing is, you know, print runs are, are generally shorter with picture books than any other uh, genre, and the reason why is because those thirty-two page picture books—they are not cheap to print. You know, it's a, a thirty-two page picture book is going to be a lot more expensive to print than a, a four hundred page Stephen King black and white novel. And so that's why publishers—they have to, you know, just for the risk involved, they have to uh, be a lot more selective. You know, but I find the um, one one thing I would say to the listeners there with writing—if um, you have a passion and want to write for kids. As you're trying to, uh, as you're writing picture book scripts, I mean, along the way, there's great other outlets too. Um, you know, magazines, uh, like Highlights, Humpty Dumpty Magazine, Jack and Jill Magazine. Uh, those are few or far between, but there's still some great ones out there. Even contact your local newspaper. You know, I think we've kind of had this nice, which is kind of exciting. We got this new shift, uh, in publishing. I mean, it's not new, but this big, uh, shifting of papers going away from print to online. And so there used to be a lot less opportunities for writers as the print paper started to die out because any space they had, they needed for major news stories and advertising. And with the online, with so many papers and, and publications going solely online, well, you know, space isn't so much a consideration now. As far as, I mean, there's more room, I guess you could say, for, you know, some, some, local writer exposure to, to have a story published Let's say like for the holidays, you know, Christmas time, a lot of editors will be open to publishing a, you know, a holiday story. And it's a great way. It's a, you know, it's something they can offer their, their readers and then, you know, it's exposure for you, the writer, you know? Um, I know you had a chance to share a passage earlier. Was there any other part of the book that you wanted to share? I mean, the most touching part to me, I mean, and there's so many throughout this book is after Ida passes, and he just says, um, he, you know, he's after she passes, this is toward the end of the book. Uh, Gus it says, Gus smiles. He steps into the spot where I don't like to soak in the sun. 
He listens to their city pulsing around him. He remembers that Ida said you don't have to see it to feel it. The sidewalk tap and the streets hum. Gus's heart beats. And, I, and Ida is right there. Always. And, uh, it's, you know, it, it, and it, everything we've kind of talked about, you know, it touches with the, the scenery, you know, from the clouds to, you know, when she, when she says to him, you know, the, the, the city is, you know, pulsing around him, you know, it is those sounds of the city and that Ida and Gus kind of relish together. And those are the same things that he kind of clings to when he misses her and he thinks about those things. Uh, well, Artie, uh, thank you so much for, for first for picking this book. Um, uh, I, I, I hadn't had a chance to read it, especially with my, my children growing up. I don't get to pictured books a lot and I focus a lot on middle grade and I don't read nearly as much as, and when I see a book like this, I realize I don't, I really need to read more picture books to find out because <laughs> you know, there's a lot of great things going on. And, and also thank you for, taking the time to talk to me about it today. Oh, it's a pleasure being with you. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity. And, um, yeah, I hope you're, you know, if your listeners are at their public library, they can you know check it out before they you want to give it a shot to buy it. But I mean, it's a, it's a traditionally published book. So it's out there everywhere. You know, your bookstore, you can order it, any, um, independent bookstore, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, it's, it should be out there everywhere. So two thumbs up for me. I, I highly recommend it. You can find Artie's website at www.artienap.com. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva, which can be found at www.canva.com. You can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in a Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading. Keep reading.